That's chat is brought to you by Walters. Walters is the place to be this weekend. The Dances weekend welcome the Detroit Tigers and DC United on Saturday night at 7:30 hosts the LA Galaxy. Register at waltersdc.com/events and receive a free old-time logger for doing so. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Set the one-two pitch. Swing and a miss. He got him on a slider down. Huge pitch for Josiah Gray. He strikes out Cooper for the second out of the inning. So here is Jamer Candelario from the left side. Swings and lines the pitch into right field. A base hit. Here comes Garcia to score the tying run. And stopping in second is Joey Manessis. It's a three-hit game for Jamer Candelario with a walk on base four times tonight. And the Nationals are all even. It's Washington 2 and Miami 2. First base side of the rubber, the kick and the pitch is the fastball. And a swing and a ground ball up the middle. A base hit into center field. Chavis has scored. Candelario around third, clapping his hands as he crosses the plate. Dominic Smith with his second into the game. A ground ball to the right of second. And the Nationals have scored three times here in the top of the eighth inning. It's now Washington 4 and Miami 2. Here's the set by Harvey, the kick and the pitch, swing and a drive, deep to left center field, way back, going, going, and gone! A walk-off two-run homer for Jorge Soler, turning around a 99-mile-an-hour fastball from Hunter Harvey. And the Nationals, who were a strike away after coming from behind with three runs in the bottom of the eighth inning to lead 4-2, wound up on the other end of this one. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of the podcast, but I'm happy to be joined by Tim Shovers, although happy uh, the result for the Nats on Tuesday evening was not a 5-4 walk-off loss at the Miami Marlins in game one of a three-game series. That's fell to 18-24. and 24. How about the Marlins, by the way? They're now 21-21, and 21, despite having a run differential of minus 55. Far worse than the Nats' run differential of minus 21. The Marlins are frauds, okay? I will say that right now, 21-21, and 21, despite having been outscored by 55 runs. But the Marlins now are 13-1. and one in one-run games, and this was a one-run game on Tuesday evening. Now, the Nats did rally in this game. 
The Nats on Tuesday evening overcame a 2-1 eighth inning deficit. Josiah Gray was great again, but a new look for the Nats in terms of reliever deployment at the end of the game did not work out so well. Hunter Harvey, he was used as the Nats closer as opposed to Kyle Finnegan, but Harvey in the bottom of the ninth gave up three runs, recorded just two outs. In fact, all three runs came with two outs. Tim, that was a tough loss for the Nats. Real gut punch loss there, Al. Uh, sort of similar to the loss in New York a few weeks back where they had a chance to sweep and then blew the lead in the eighth inning. And that was a tough loss to swallow because they could have swept the Mets on the road. If the Nats had held on to win today, you would have had Josiah Gray getting a victory after a gem and a huge final out for him, his 21st out of the evening, to get out of a bases loaded jam. You would have had the Nats with the rally in the eighth inning to get up against the Marlins bullpen, first meeting they're having this year, so setting a tone against the Marlins pen for 2023. And then, Al, they would have been just one game back of Miami with the chance to tie them up tomorrow. And if you want to go a step further, they could have left Miami ahead of the Marlins and out of last place. One other side note, that would have been victory number 19 well before game 50, if you catch my drift on that. But it goes the other way, and the Nats are one out away from winning, and then three batters later in what seemed like two and a half minutes or something like that, all of a sudden Jorge Soler hits another moonshot like he's uh, capable of doing, and that's that very difficult loss. It was, and this game is a great test of our mantra for this season of don't get too invested in the outcomes of games, focus more on how the young potential building blocks are doing. I mean, here you had a game, like you said, Josiah Gray was terrific, and that is the ultimate takeaway from this game. I mean, to me, if you're a Nats fan, that's what you focus on more than anything with this game, Josiah Gray being really good once again, and we'll get to that, but man, <laughs> that was a uh, a tough way uh, to lose a ball game. So let's just get to it. What happened over the eighth and ninth innings? So, you know, we have wondered. I mean, Hunter Harvey overall has been the Nats' best reliever this season. Kyle Finnegan has had a very shaky season. And so the question has been out there, at what point do we see Davey Martinez turn to Hunter Harvey as the Nats' closer? Now, you know, the term closer is a little tricky these days because you can be a team's closer but not necessarily be pitching in the highest leverage slash most important situations late in games. But that said, we on Tuesday evening saw Davey Martinez use two relievers. They were Kyle Finnegan and Hunter Harvey, and they were used in that order. Finnegan was used to pitch in the bottom of the eighth with the Nats having just taken a 4-2 lead, and the Marlins numbers 5, 6, and 7 batters do up. So this wasn't necessarily, you know, a tight spot in which the Marlins, you know, 2, 3, and 4 batters were coming up. Finnegan, bottom of the eighth, Nats up 4-2, Marlins numbers 5, 6, and 7 batters do up. And Finnegan did have some problems once again. He gave up a first pitch leadoff single by Brian De La Cruz to left center field, then gave up an infield single by Gene Segura on a swinging bunt toward third base on an 0-2 pitch. You don't fault Finnegan for that. But Finnegan did then strike out Peyton Burdick, despite, by the way, initially committing a pitch clock violation. And then came a gem, Finnegan generating an inning-ending 5-4-3 double play on a grounder by Nick Fortes. Then came in Hunter Harvey. And Hunter Harvey, again, terrific this season, and he got off to a terrific start. He retired each of the first two batters he faced, but he ultimately blew the save opportunity. Harvey gave up a two-out double by Garrett Cooper off the right center field wall. Harvey gave up a two-out RBI single by Luisa Rise to right field on a 1-2 pitch to cut the Nats' lead to 4-3. 
And then came the big blow. Harvey giving up a two-out walk-off, full-count, two-run homer by Jorge Soler to left field for a 5-4 Marlins win. I guess let's start with this. What'd you think about what Davey did, apparently, in this game, making the switch, at least in terms of how these guys were used? I mean, Davey may have made the switch days ago, and we just didn't know about it. But Finnegan for the eighth, Harvey for the ninth. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Uh, if I can sort of uh, give a lame answer, I'm good either way. I would like to see Harvey experimented in this role. Obviously, it was a flop for the final out this evening. But as this team wins more and more games and they're going to play more high leverage games along the way, I'm cool with Davey Martinez sort of testing the waters and what he has in Finnegan and Harvey and came very, very close to coming through. So no issues over on this end. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, you don't have to have a closer. You don't have to have a ninth inning guy. Like you just should have your best relievers and you use them as you see fit. So to me, you know, this isn't as big of a deal as I'm kind of making it out to be. You know, I just think it's kind of a fun conversation to have. What I think is kind of worth considering is this. So is Hunter Harvey a carriage that's going to turn back into a pumpkin? Or was this this just a bad night for a guy who is having a great season? Because the latter may well be the case. I mean, I don't think it's time to necessarily panic on Hunter Harvey. I think what's so tough, though, with Harvey is, A, the undeniable injury history, and you're almost just waiting for him to get injured again. And then, B, you know, when he has been healthy, he has been good. But it's not like this guy has had like a full major league season in which he has been good. He's been hurt so much to where he just hasn't had that. And so you're not entirely sure what he is as a major league reliever. Like you think he can be good. He certainly has the stuff to be good with, but you know, you just don't know. And so I don't know with Harvey. I think it's tough with him. Like, is he having one of these years in which he's just, you know, one of the better relievers in the National League? Or is he a guy who just had a good few weeks and uh, it's about to all come apart here? You know, the Nats need him to be good, need someone to be good. It's been a rough last few weeks with what we've seen happen with Carl Edwards Jr., with this falling off of a cliff for Mason Thompson. Kyle Finnegan has had a very shaky season. And, you know, now Hunter Harvey blows a save. I mean, we've gone from having multiple Nats relievers with whom you feel good to now you're not sure about anyone, it feels like. Yeah, the winds of the bullpen can change rather quick, can't they, here in these big leagues, Al? One other thing with Harvey that I will say in his defense, which is that the heart of the Marlins order is actually pretty good. Cooper Arias, I'm, I screw up his name every single time, and, and Solaire, who hit the walk-off, that's a lot of power in the middle of the order. And, you know, he did get the first two outs right away. But you're right, you know, you said Pumpkin turning into a carriage. I guess what's the proper sample size? Another month of Harvey before we get a handle on it? You know, relievers are obviously so fickle. But I still, my opinion on Hunter Harvey hasn't changed after an outing like this one. No, and I don't think it should. I mean, I just think it's a thought that crosses your mind to see him look mortal like this. He really had not looked all that mortal at any point so far in this season. And yeah, to your point about where we were with the Marlins lineup, I think that's why we saw Hunter Harvey in that ninth inning. And I think that that tells you who Davey Martinez values as an at's top reliever right now. And I don't blame Davey. I think that's exactly the way to look at it. I mean, Hunter Harvey, at least entering Tuesday night, had been the Nats' best reliever this season. And hopefully what happened on Tuesday night was a speed bump, was a hiccup, and nothing more. But we shall see. So yeah, you get what you got uh, from Harvey in that bottom of the ninth inning. And the shame is that that blown save wasted another great start by Josiah Gray. And also a nice comeback by the Nats. Uh, We'll get 
to the comeback. But man, I mean, Josiah Gray, we're getting to a point now to where this is what you expect. You expect him to go out there and pitch really well. You never were at that point with him these last two seasons. You're at that point now with him. Josiah Gray on Tuesday evening was good for a seventh time in eight starts. He lasted for seven innings for a second consecutive start. Two runs, one earned in seven innings. He allowed seven hits, two doubles, and five singles. He issued three walks, but one of them was intentional. He had five strikeouts. He threw a lot of strikes, 104 pitches, 70 strikes versus just 34 balls. He used four different pitches. He first at cast through his four-seam fastball on 36% of his pitches, a slider on 30% of his pitches, cutter on 20% of his pitches, and his curveball on 14% of his pitches. He over nine starts now in this 2023 regular season has an ERA of 273. You know, we're not really that close to the All-Star game yet, right? But if you have to say, okay, well, who is your Nationals 2023 All-Star? If you have to only pick one. How is the answer not Josiah Gray at this point? Oh, absolutely. Gray, I know we've sort of had this debate ever since the trade back in July 2021. I'm comfortable in saying, based upon what I've seen this year, that I'm moving in the direction that I think he is going to be that frontline starter. You know, for years I've gone back and forth. Is he a two or a three? I've leaned towards a three. I'm starting to think he could be a number two. Still not there yet. I'm being an ace. But specifically to tonight, Al, I love the trust that Davey Martinez had in Josiah Gray, setting him back out for the seventh inning. He easily could have pulled him. He probably would have pulled him a month ago. He trusts him back out there. He lets him go 100 pitches. And did you notice how loud it got in Lone Depot Park for bases loaded with with Jorge Soler up to bat in what was a 2-1 Miami lead at the moment in the bottom of the seventh? Clock down to five, three, the set. The runners go, the pitch. Ground ball towards short. Abrams to his left has it. He throws on to first. Side retired. Gray with a fist punch has finished off seven innings. He strands the bases loaded in the last of the seventh. Outside of the World Baseball Classic, I've never heard that stadium get that loud before. And we have a listener, Val, who she travels to a lot of games. She said that it was not artificial noise. That was actual noise inside the stadium. And that felt like a big moment. I mean, I didn't think I'd say that for Marlins, Nats, and May on a Tuesday night. But for those couple minutes felt like we had the high stakes going on there yes tim shovers on the uh, official twitter account of the nats chat podcast at nats underscore chat suggested that fake piped in crowd noise was used at lone depot park apparently that was not the case but yeah that was one of the beauties of the world baseball classic hearing that ballpark be loud i didn't know that that was possible but it is possible we saw that uh, and heard that during the World Baseball Classic. And yeah, you did get some atmosphere on Tuesday night. I mean, from just purely an entertainment standpoint, from just purely a baseball watching standpoint, this was a fun game. It's just that if you're a Nats fan, the outcome was not so fun. But awesome stuff with Josiah Gray. And, you know, the only real trouble that he got into in this game, bottom of the second, he gave up two runs, only one of which was earned. He allowed the two runs on back-to-back one-out singles, then a one-out walk. And then what was ruled as an error by Gray, but this was a weird play. Runner at first, the kick and the pinch. Swing a ground ball to first baseman Smith. To second for one. Abrams to Gray covering. Did he hold the bag? He did not. They lost the ball. One run is scored. Second runner breaking for the plate. No play there. Things got weird in that inning, but otherwise, it is just so good to see this with Josiah Gray. And I just don't think we can emphasize the lack 
of home runs enough here for Josiah, right? This was the guy with the big-time home run problem. He, over the previous two regular seasons, gave up a staggering 57 home runs over 219 and a third innings. He, over his last eight starts now, has given up just two home runs. He gave up three homers in his first start of this regular season. He's given up two home runs since then. The home run problem certainly has been improved upon, if not fixed. That is just outstanding news when it comes to his development. Yeah, and the way the season began, where he gave up all those home runs right away to the Braves, is you know we thought, oh gosh, here we go again in 2023. And that has been the aberration of aberrations. And another thing that I love too, Al, by the way, with the you know you're talking about cutting down the home runs, and, and as he becomes more and more mature as a pitcher, I love how he didn't have his strikeout game really going tonight, but then he digs deep in the sixth inning to get two of his K's on the night. He only had five strikeouts on the evening. And for him to throw two of them in the sixth inning showed me that he still had more gas in the tank. And obviously, Davey Martinez saw that as well. I don't know what, obviously, what changes he made, but credit to the Nationals and credit to Josiah Gray for at least this month and a half fixing the, as you guys used last night, fixing the glitch with the home runs. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one concern with Gray, if you want to call it a concern, is that he isn't a high strikeout pitcher. But he does kind of have that penchant for what you just said, like getting the clutch strikeout. And he can generate strikeouts. It's not like he never does it. It's just, you know, like you look at Mackenzie Gore, like that's a strikeout pitcher. Gray is not bad. And uh, that can make you not be as predictably great, you know, season to season, because if you are subject to the variance of the batted ball, you can run into some problems that way. But I mean, otherwise, Josiah Gray is growing before our eyes, blossoming before our eyes. And if you have to rank the positives for the Nats this season, how is Josiah Gray not number one? I mean, again, the marked improvement from last season to this season, just terrific. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Some amazing news from Window Nation. You can modernize and reinvest in your home today with new windows from Window Nation, all while capitalizing on Window Nation's best deal of the year. 0% financing for five years. Unheard of. Zero interest for five years. And Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Protect and increase the value of your home today by taking advantage of this great offer. Again, 0% financing for five years and two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And by the way, that goes for any style of window from Window Nation. And there's no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and save money on energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The lefty rocks, kicks, and deals. And this one is driven deep down the right field line, chasing back Burdick on the go to the track, to the wall, and it's gone! An opposite field home run, three rows into the seats down the right field line for Lane Thomas. Puts the Nationals on the board, it's Miami 2, the Nationals 1. Thomas with home run number 5, an opposite field fly ball to right, right down the line. So the Nats overcame a 2-1 8th inning deficit on Tuesday evening, a 3-run 8th inning for the Nats. Jamer Candelario, very nice game for him. He is an ad starting third baseman and number four batter. You see, who says that Jamer should not be the Nats cleanup batter? Got on base four times in this game. Three for three with a double, an RBI single, another single, and a walk. Candelario in that three-run eighth, a one-out first pitch RBI single to right field to tie the game at two. But how about his other three plate appearances in this game? Candelario in the top of the second, a leadoff full count opposite field single to right field to conclude a 10-pitch plate appearance in which he was down to the count at one point, 0-2. Candelario in the top of the fourth, a two-out eight-pitch walk. I mean, this guy was seeing so many pitches over his first two plate appearances. And then Candelario top of the sixth, a two-out opposite field double toward the right field corner. He is not having a good season but he was good on Tuesday evening. This is a guy who has been good. It's been a few years, but it's not like he doesn't have talent. Like, he is capable, and uh, boy, it would be nice to see more of uh, this kind of performance from Jamer Condelario. Yeah, it's funny of all the days for him to have three hits and get on base four times. Today, when I retweeted the lineup, there were a lot of people that they were chirping about Candelario specifically in the cleanup spot, and then he steps up like that. I love, though, what the Nats did in the eighth inning, where they struggled all night against Jesus Lazardo, and because for whatever reason, the Washington Nationals cannot hit Miami Marlins starting pitchers. That's a scientific fact that's been proven. And they got to the pen right away and got that lead. And while we're there in the eighth inning, Al, Luis Garcia was nowhere close to touching second base on what was an attempted steal. Kevin Franzen caught it. Skip Schumacher 
The Marlins manager did not, and the Nats definitely caught a break on that one. They very much did, and that wasn't even close. At least from what we saw on TV, it was kind of strange because at one point when you're watching the replay, the camera kind of got away from Garcia's lower body. So you couldn't be like 100% sure that he missed second base. But yeah, it sure looked like he missed second base. But uh, oh, well, those things can happen. The other big hit for the Nats in that three-run eighth came from Dom Smith. So the two top veteran position player acquisitions for the Nats this past offseason coming through in this inning, Condelario and Smith. Dom Smith on Tuesday night, two for four, two-run single and another single. He in that three-run eighth, a two-out bases loaded, tie-breaking two-run single up the middle for a 4-2 Nats lead. He in the top of the fifth had a one-out single to right field. Dom Smith now in this month of May has an on-base percentage of 458. He is having a very good month of May from a standpoint of batting average and on-base. Still not hitting for much power, but you know, few guys on the Nats are. Although one guy who is hitting for power, Lane Thomas, another home run. And how about his final line on uh, Tuesday evening here? One for five, with the one being a solo homer. And the other four plate appearances resulting in strikeouts. One for four with a homer and four strikeouts. A Rob Deer night for Lane Thomas on Tuesday night. But he in a one-run six, a leadoff opposite field home run to right field to cut the Nats deficit to 2-1. So Lane Thomas in this month of May has hit five home runs. He for this month of May is slugging 633, has a 359 on base percentage. Tim, I don't know if any national is going to get to 20 homers for this season, but right now, if you had to say, well, there's one guy who will get to 20 homers, who is it? You'd put your money down on Lane Thomas. Yeah, I would agree with that. And while we're here, Al, I'm done with the home run wig. Let's stop trying to make fetch happen. It's just, did you see it tonight when they donned it on him? There's so little fanfare. I went on social media to see Nat's Twitter was having fun with it. Not really. It's time to put away the home run wig. It was a good try. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. But I do think he's going to hit 20 home runs this year. Just It feels like it. And uh, the only other candidate for 20 homers would be if Manessis goes from Joey one bags to Joey four bags. But that's it, really, for your options. Yeah, I mean, I hate that we have to have a conversation like this. But, yeah, I don't want no Nats to hit 20 homers this season. Like, someone's got to do it, okay? So somebody please do it. And right now you would say Lane Thomas is the uh, leading contender to do it. We shall see. So a disappointing loss for the Nats on Tuesday evening, but there was some good stuff. And again, if you could sort of divorce yourself from the outcome and from what happened with Hunter Harvey in the bottom of the ninth, Josiah Gray, like harp on that, focus on that, because that is so exciting that the Nats have him doing well, have Mackenzie Gore doing well. We've liked what we've seen from Jake Irvin so far. Patrick Corbin has been better in recent weeks, and uh, more could be coming via, say, a Jackson Rutledge in the minors, via, say, a Paul Skeens, if the Nats take him with the number two overall pick in the 2023 draft. We shall see. And how about Cole Henry? Yeah, remember him? Cole Henry. Cole Henry on Tuesday evening was back. He, for the low-A Fredericksburg Nationals, tossed three scoreless innings with five strikeouts. He gave up just one hit, which was a double. He issued no walks. He threw 33 pitches. You ready for this? 27 strikes versus six walks. What was Cole Henry back from? Thoracic outlet syndrome surgery. This was Cole Henry's first outing in a minor league game since undergoing surgery for TOS last summer. 
as we have come to know all too well, thoracic outlet syndrome, TOS, is a career destroyer for pitchers. Uh, We've seen this with Steven Strasburg. Remember, we saw this with reliever Will Harris. You didn't know what to think with Cole Henry's TOS, because unlike Strasburg, unlike Harris, uh, Henry is in his 20s, right? Strasburg and Harris are in their 30s. This season is just Cole Henry's age 23 season. So you hoped, hey, He's young enough to where maybe he can be a pitcher who comes back and pitches well off TOS. Because guys can come back and pitch from TOS, but so few come back and pitch to any degree of quality. Like most guys come back and just are shells of what they once were. We'll see what happens with Cole Henry. But remember what happened with him last season. So he at the time of the news last year uh, that he needed this surgery was the Nats number six prospect for MLB Pipeline. And he really had been ascending. The Nats on June 2nd, 2022, promoted Henry from AA Harrisburg to AAA Rochester. Henry, at the time of the promotion, had been excellent for Harrisburg in the 2022 season. Seven starts, 23 and two-thirds innings, an ERA of 0.76, a whip of 0.59, a strikeouts per nine innings at 10.2. He is a second-round pick. The Nats have had so little in the way of non-first-round pick hits for years now. Well, the Nats took Cole Henry in the second round of the 2020 MLB draft out of LSU. It would be a beautiful thing if this guy pans out. You know, it's hard to know what to think with him coming off thoracic outlet syndrome, but he did get off to a nice start in his comeback on Tuesday evening. It's just good news and what has been a lot of good news this year, and Cole Henry uh, you know, you mentioned the TOC issues, and that's obviously a huge hurdle to have to overcome as he makes his way back. But very encouraging. And for Nats fans who live in Virginia, you can go check him out. One more thing. You know, we haven't really talked much about the National League East because, you know, we know the deal with the Nationals rebuilding team. Yada, yada, yada. But you look at the NL East. So the Atlanta Braves are really good. The Braves have the uh, second best record in the National League. But every other team in the NL East has a non-winning record. We did see some of this during the Nationals playoff years. I mean, I think back specifically to 2017 when the Nats were good, but everyone else in the division was not good. Is this one of those years in the division where it's one good team and everyone else is meh or bad? Or do you think that there is a good team or two beyond the Braves in this NL East? I think the Braves are going to cruise to the division title. Uh, you know, the Mets so much is tied up in, in their pitchers. They got Scherzer back. What's up with Verlander? Now that six teams can get in, like we saw last year with the Phillies, the Phillies were not that good. They were very disappointing. Their fan base was very down on them in September, but then they snuck in and the bats got hot. Next thing you know, they're in the World Series. So I sort of separate your question into two categories. I th- So I think the Braves will run away with the division, and I still think someone will come back and be in playoff contention. But, you know, Al, as you mentioned that with no one, you know, really other than the Braves doing anything, it would not take much for the Nats to be in second place, let's say in a week and a half. Like that's not, that's not some impossible scenario. That is a very realistic scenario if they can start, you know, winning games like Tuesday night. I think just for the fun of things, it would be awesome to see that. Like the Nats, like you said, they don't need like some 14 game winning streak to get into second place. If they can go on a stretch to say, you know, eight wins in 12 games, something like that, that might do it. This division so far has not been impressive, save for the Braves. You know, it's not just the other four teams all having non-winning records. It's the other four teams having 
negative run differentials. And like I said, with the Marlins, 21 and 21 with a minus 55 run differential. Fraudulent. Okay, trust me, this team is fraudulent. But yeah, you know, it is so true. You do have to separate regular season and postseason. I think one of the great lessons from last baseball season is in the National League, you had 300 win teams in the Braves, the Mets, and the Dodgers. Not a single one made the final four. Not a single one made the NLCS. And that just tells you about the nature of the postseason. I mean, the Phillies for last year were at best the third best team in the NL East. And yet that's the team from the NL East that ended up making the final four and then obviously the World Series. So you never know. October is an animal unto itself. One more thing. And this broke during the uh, Nats game on Tuesday night. Anibal Sanchez, 2019 hero for the Nats, would have many 2019 heroes for the Nats, announcing his retirement. Anibal Sanchez will live in Washington baseball history forever for his performance at Game 1 in St. Louis where he had that no-hit bid entering the eighth inning. But my biggest takeaway from Anibal Sanchez in 2019, not only did he overcome a terrible April to bounce back, and he's a big reason why the 19-31 and became World Series champions, but also... One thing with them, Al, if you go back to the Dodgers series in 2019, remember when Scherzer came out of the pen in game two on a Friday night in Dodger Stadium, and then Scherzer was supposed to start game three, but then that bumped up Anibal Sanchez to game three. Now the Nats ended up losing game three when Corbin came out of the pen and got shellac. But where I'm going with this is, is that I don't think Davey Martinez brings Scherzer out of the pen in game two, which was their first one of the series if he didn't trust Sanchez to step up and move from game four to game three. So I think he was a really, really important part in cog of that World Series run. He threw a no-hitter early in his career. Uh, He lasted a very long time, and uh, hats off to Anibal in his retirement. He had a very good career, and you you think about October 2019 and all the great performances and all the great moments. That Friday night win at St. Louis in NLCS game one That's one of my favorite moments from that run. And, you know, it didn't clinch anything, of course, but him flirting with the no-hitter, you know, he ultimately tossed the seven and two-thirds scoreless innings. He had the great play by Ryan Zimmerman. You know, that was a game that made you feel like there's something going on here, you know? I mean, you had the Nats in the NLCS, so like that in and of itself was something special with the Nats having finally gotten beyond the divisional series round. But, you know, the way the Nats dominated the Cardinals in that series and got off to the hot start with Sanchez pitching so well in the Friday night game one and then Max Scherzer pitching in some ways even better in the Saturday game two. Awesome stuff. And yeah, like you said, Sanchez in that 2019 regular season, it's an important lesson because he was bad. He was quite bad over his first nine starts in that 2019 regular season. Went on the 10-day injured list with a left hamstring strain. And that was like a totally different pitcher. And it's just, it's one of so many reminders in baseball of like, the season is long, the narratives can change. And a guy who is doing well may not be doing well later on and vice versa. So, you know, there's always time to change the course of your season as a player. And what Sanchez did in 2019 is a good example of that. And he deserves a ton of credit for that. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, Nats Chat Podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, we'd love to have you. Email Tim Shover, see what we can do for you. Again, that email address, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. We have a new website, natschatpodcast.com. You can listen to previous installments of the show. You can get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. That website again, natschatpodcast.com. 
All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com. For Tim Shovers, I'm Al Galdi. Mark will be back with us for the next installment of the podcast, and uh, we will talk to you next time on the Nats Chat podcast. Here's the 0-2. Swing and a ground ball rolled to first. Zimmerman has it down to a knee. He'll step on first. Anibal Sanchez has tossed seven hitless shutout innings here at Bush Stadium in St. Louis. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.